We are recording on Monday, <clears throat> May 22nd, 2023 at 5.10 p.m. Eastern Time with Mr. Tom Luongo, Mr. Alex Craner, and Mr. Vincent Lancey, not Lance Vincey, because I got that wrong and I feel like a fucking idiot for that. But uh, Tom, for all the new listeners, could you maybe introduce yourself and then and then Vince and then then Alex? Sure, I'm Tom Luongo, Gold Goats and Guns. Um, I'm, I live, I, I, you know, the man, the myth, the legend. I don't know, whatever you want to say. Um, and it was my idea to bring these two guys on with me today because Alex and I have done innumerable shows together, and uh, Vince and I have done a couple of podcasts together. And I just thought it would be a great time to have all of us in one room together and try and recreate that same, um, maybe a slightly different vibe than what we have when we have um, the other bald ones on. The, that, yeah. the column and consort. Man, the myth, the legend, whatever you want to call him. Some people would call him convicted sex offender who can't own a gun and it's his license. <laughs> That's legally not true. That might also be slander. That might also be something I can't do. Uh, might be. Might be. It might be. Might so, be. But, you know, never convicted. Never can. Hey, listen. It was, yeah. What's, what's the line? It was international waters. They couldn't prosecute. Vince, could, never you, could you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, sure, sure. Well, um, Tom's taking responsibility for this, so if if I'm speaking for myself and I'm gonna go out for Alex, if if uh, this goes off the rails, it's Tom's fucking fault. Yeah. Um, and that's that's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, I own a Goldfix Substack, uh, hedge fund manager, still manage money for a client or two, and uh, uh, just generally a finance guy, options, geopolitics, derivatives, and uh, bullshit. Yeah. All right. There you go. And Alex? Alex? Hey. Oh, like? sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, so, uh, Alex Kreiner, uh, uh, Croatian national living in Monaco, uh, former hedge fund management, former hedge fund manager, author, founder of Kreiner Analytics, and publisher of daily CTA Trend Compass reports. And a podcaster, I guess. Uh, I mean, yeah, something like that. There, that's me. The regular guest on on all on all the on, on all the right stations is the way I like to put it. Right, regular guest on very on a variety of podcasts. Tom, are you, Tom, are you a hedge fund manager? Have you ever managed a hedge fund? No. Why not? You're no, no, a disappointment no, no, no. to these two. No. Um, actually, no. I would consider. I would. I, I would say actually that I'm the one who's whose soul is still clean. But yeah, you bring great shame to my podcast. Showing up with two hedge fund managers and then you have no management yourself. You fucking disgrace. Um, he plays yeah. with test tubes. Yeah, he does. And I used to. I used to. Right. I used to. Yeah, yeah I used to. Yeah. That was fun. I mean, you know, that was a that was a that was a former life, right? Um, yeah. yeah. Full. I don't Ted, do that anymore. Full Ted Kaczynski. My wife keeps getting angry with. My wife keeps getting angry at me that I won't get into mixing glazes for her, for her pottery. And I'm like, oh, no, I ain't doing it. I'm like, non-aqueous electric chemistry. I'm going to start now using words you guys don't understand. Non-aqueous electric chemistry is something, or uh, materials is something I don't I ever want to get into. It doesn't sound like oh, you my understand God. them either, Tom. I passed chemistry. Oh, I do. You can't fucking pull a fast one on me. I passed chemistry. I know what, I know what snake oil you're selling. You fucking lie. Non-aqueous. So, so, so non-aqueous materials, huh? So, yeah, crystal field splitting in silicon dioxide matrices. Well, listen, you know all about that, the only right? test tubes I do is out in a fucking log cabin with Ted Kaczynski trying to make some real change in the world. That's legally a joke. Um, but what are we talking about, aside from the fact of de-dollarization and the inevitable income of a, 
I guess, a thermonuclear holocaust after the opening shots of World War Three, which I would imagine is coming any day now. Right. Tom. I don't know about that. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll I'll start this 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 thing off. I don't. I know that denialization is a thing, and I absolutely. I think we all absolutely. Um, though the three of us would are are seeing that because Vince and I just did a podcast on this very subject. Alex and I were just on Crypto Rich's podcast the other day. We were talking about what was the the things that are happening in the global south. But the whole denialization meme, honestly, I think is a little overbaked, and I think it's overbaked for a variety of reasons. Uh, not the least of which, because that's what Davos, what I like to call Davos, wants, because they're openly now calling for the end of the dollar. And so now it's a matter of, okay, so let's amplify. They like to amplify the voices and the ideas that they want the world to believe in. So it's, they're always in the reality creation of these people. And so that's, you know, not to say that de-dollarization isn't happening, isn't wanted by a great number of people, including, I would imagine, and I'll be honest with you, some people in the United States, mm. because... The, the world's being the global reserve currency is a burden. And, you know, I we don't have the balance sheet room to uh, continue that, that burden. So, guys? Do you think that's what we're seeing with the war then? If you want to jump on this, Vince, do you think that, do you think we're trying to maybe launder this through a war? We just got out of Afghanistan eight months later. We're essentially in a new war. Is that just, are we the are we the permanent war economy? And do we maybe just need to lean into that? No, we have to. Yeah, we, we, we have to be, you know, uh, I that that's that's definitely what's going on. But I just read this today. Am I nuts or did we pull people out of Afghanistan to put them into Ukraine? Like it's almost looking that way now. I don't see the links that some of you retarded people do, but I'm seeing them now. And um, pull, pull what out and put what where? Like. I saw something about the same troops that were pulled out of the out of, out of Afghanistan. We pulled out of there. Are the advisors in Ukraine? It's almost like we pulled them out knowing Ukraine was going to start. Well, I mean, it might be in that. You know, I think it's kind of speculated that like Delta Force was at like Kabul Airport during the exfil. I interviewed a Marine that was at the airport while it was happening, and right. you know. No, you'll you'll never find out if special forces were there. I'm friends with some Delta Force guys. You'll never find out what the fuck they did. In that sense, technically, I would argue that they're probably in Ukraine, but because they're so, tier so, one. But it, that's so, right. that's so not that's really kind of easy to... that's not really special. Then, if we were in Madagascar, they would be the same guys there. Right, I understand. I understand. As a so, biology major, not with zero military experience, just my own caveat to that. All right, as as a, as a quid pro quo thing, it's like you can't really prove that. Anyway. Um, all right, so to, to, I guess the guy was just trying to get some clicks. Um, the de-dollarization, uh, the Ukraine. Perpetual war in the Ukraine. Ukraine is a negotiating table for what's coming next. So the de-dollarization, uh, which is overdone, I think as Tom's saying, we're not going to, the dollar's going to continue to be the great reserve currency, the global reserve currency, but no one's going to care anymore. It's it's a label that 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 will outlive its usefulness. Meaning, uh, the BRICS and and countries like that, you're going to start seeing global commodities trade in local currencies. So you're going to see oil and uh, gold, but let's just stick with oil. Oil will trade in local currency because everyone wants to touch and trust the person they're tied to. So it's going to be very similar to a mercantilist economy backed by gold indirectly. But the dollar will remain, and to bring it to Ukraine, I think that the Ukrainian, maybe it didn't start this way, but this is where it is. The Ukrainian war is a, a war of attrition on both sides. 
Russia thinks the longer we're in it, uh, we're going to be weaker. They're right. We think the longer they're in it, they're going to be weaker. Obviously, China wins in all this, right? Yeah. That's the aside. Um, uh, so it's really just like who can be the weakest when we finally go to the table and negotiate on the new terms for the dollar in the world. So it's it's like a pre Bretton Woods three or pre Blaza Blaza agreement, but um, perpetual war. It's totally in our interest to keep this going. Uh, I mean, Ukraine is Syria North. You know, it's like that's what it is. You know, it's a it's a it's Vietnam for Europe now. Hmm. They have to defend themselves. Alex, on what on de-dollarization? I don't care. Whatever you want, man. I'm puppies. Uh well. Yeah, I'm I'm of two minds about it. I think that de-dollarization is going to accelerate, but I don't think the dollar is going to go away. Uh, I think that the, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing. It's 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 not only the the math of doing business; it's also the the math of understanding value. And I think that everybody in the world understands dollar. When you tell somebody that barrel of oil is eighty dollars. Uh, um, Crude oil is eighty dollars a barrel. Everybody understand what that means, and uh, I don't think that's going to change as a as a as a yardstick of value. It's not going to go away that soon because people are not that quick to adopt change. You know, um, when when the world in the Middle Ages changed <clears throat> from Roman numerals to Arabic numerals, I mean the difference difference was dramatic in how much more useful do the Arabic numerals were for all kinds of things, for accounting, for math, for calculations, for, of all, for, for learning how to calculate. Well, still, it took several centuries for Arabic numerals to completely displace Roman numerals. And so I think that measuring value in dollars exchanging goods and services for dollars is not going to go away that quickly. Even though, as I said, the de-dollarization process might accelerate. And the reason for that is, I mean, we just had the, the, the Eurasia Economic Forum in St. Petersburg. And one of the main items on the agenda is attracting uh, the nations of the global south onto this new trading system that's not going to include dollars. So, yeah, I think uh, it'll be very, very difficult to predict exactly how things are going to go. But, you know, let's not let's not discount the, the psychological inertia of the fact that people are used to the dollars, that the fact that a lot of online online trading systems that have been developed over the past 20 years are based on the dollar that would take you know changing those systems getting everybody to get used to new systems to recalculate to something else that you need to work out what does it consist of it's, it's gold based yeah okay what's the price of gold in in which currency in, mm. in, in yuan and in, remember in what so uh, I think we're stuck with the dollar. And then there's the third factor to it all, which I think is maybe most important, is that other currencies like the euro and the pound and 
the yen, which are not getting as much press coverage as the dollar is, are way worse. I mean, pound is going to zero. Yen is going to zero. And euro is going to follow close also to zero. And I think that the dollar is going to be the last one to fall. Yeah. And I think that ultimately the political transformation of the United States that is going to happen uh, very probably with the next elections is going to maybe lead to uh, and also a change in America's approach to the rest of the world. And quite possibly the United States joining the Eurasian integrations process rather than trying to manipulate it and control it on behalf of, you know, European imperial oligarchy. Hmm. Tom? That's, well, Alex is singing my, my tune here. Like, that's like, so, so, I, so I, I'll bring out the song. I'm happy to hear somebody else actually say this. Because that's what I think is also happening. Um, and I guess it is. It is that, right? This is so, this is so many of the the the, the you know, if you look at what's happening on Capitol Hill with the with the death ceiling fight, it's very clear. And you look at what everything else is happening, it's very clear that like McCarthy's not lying. That Speaker McCarthy's not lying when he says the Biden administration looks like they just want to default. Like that's what they want to do, right? And that they're they're willing to, to take this all the way to the end. And I and I've been saying for months that that's exactly where we're going to wind up, and then eventually. The, the bluff is going to have to be called, and there's going to have to be senators that cross the line and say, no, no, we're not going to default, and throw it on Joe Biden, who can veto it, and then they're going to have to override him so they can keep the country running. And Janet Yellen, they've got Janet Yellen, probably the worst communicator of all of them out there, trying to explain to everybody why it is that we get, that the Republicans are wrong, we're all going to default. I mean, if you listen, you listen to Yellen talk, and like, this is the woman who you couldn't find her phone number when she was running the San Francisco Fed or the Federal Reserve itself, because she didn't talk to anybody. She ran like an autocrat. And now she's interviewing for a job. Yeah, and now every day, and now every day she's sitting there. Yeah, no, and now every day she's sitting there, like you know, um, like like she can't be on the Sunday talk shows working enough. They got her out there every week, and she's setting foreign policy, and she's doing this, and like all this stuff. And and the truth of the matter is, is that then you have Jamie Dimon goes out there today and goes, everybody get. The idea of higher rates. Did you guys see the clip from Diamond when he was on Bloomberg? Yeah. 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 I mean, if that, if that is not validating everything I've been saying for the last two years about Diamond and Powell running the table on the rest of the freaking world, I don't know what I, I don't know what else you need to hear. Like Diamond's like, we're going to do that. You've got the New York banks and the Federal Reserve singing from the same tune, saying we're going above six percent. Afkari said this morning they're going above six percent. Bullard said at least two more rate hikes this year. All today guys all today while the markets all stand there and go no you can't no you can't meanwhile the stoper futures curve is slowly but surely grinding out that there's going to be another rate hike in june and september now we're getting really close to now it's now not only a 25 basis point cut, cut into september but the june rate hike, the june rate hike is, is is baked into the it's baked into the pie so de-dollarization is the, the this this the, the American policy being set by European oligarchs is what's going on here. They want us to default because they're the only ones that benefit from any kind of turmoil in the United States. China doesn't benefit. It upsets global trade. The Russians don't benefit. The United States goes off 
half cock like Rambo without a jockstrap militarily if we if, if we blow up. No one is benefits from this other than the weakest player at the table, which is the thick man at the yeah. table, which is the European Union. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, that's true. I, I, I've, I've come a long way on that. Um, I mean, without even looking at the British pound, which is going to zero because they they can't be fiscally responsible if they want to, as Alex was implying. I mean, the euro still doesn't have fiscal unity. So how how would they survive? So the dollar is the uh, uh, the, the the tallest, uh, the cleanest, dirty shirt, the tallest pygmy, whatever whatever we're allowed to say. Right. Uh, um, all of those things and more. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the, the, the 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 least offensively smelling pile of dog shit. Right. How's that? That's why. That's by the way. On a plumbing note, uh, uh, I can now. Speaking of plumbing, right. Uh, on a plumbing note, you know what Alex said. What Alex said, I could I could add to from a uh, from a plumbing perspective. You know, the dollar's not going away, right? It's going to last. Let's say it's another fifty hundred years. Uh, I, I disagree with that, but but not whole not wholeheartedly. What's going to happen is everything will be priced in dollars in name only, and incumbency is hard to break. I agree with you on that. I mean, you can't break electronic incumbency is actually even harder to break once it's in place. What's going to happen, and Tom and I talked about this recently, is the trade will dictate what exchanges do, and exchanges will create contracts for swap overs. So it'll be like I'm trading my dollars. Like for, we'll use use oil as an example. If China wants to trade oil in yuan uh, with uh, Saudi Arabia, there's going to be a contract for that, and it'll be basically be a swap contract for for dollars. So everything will still be on the screen in dollars. The local currencies will trade more. Uh, with with regards to uh, the U.S., you made another comment, Alex, that I that I want to I want to speak to. That I want to agree with you. There are so many platforms being made by by these bricks now, uh, excluding the dollars. Right? It's not well. They're they're not dollar friendly. Let's put it that way. Right? So you've got your you've got your four regional hubs in Asia, and they're like, okay, I'm going to trade in rubles. We'll trade in yuan. And, and it's like this big X, it's called M-Trade. There's a bunch of them, but M-Trade is the one that I'm focusing on. And I, I, I looked at it and I analyzed it and sitting in the fucking middle of the whole thing in Asia is the Bank of International Settlements. So I'm gonna connect some dots here. De-dollarization, global trade will remain in dollars or a basket of dollars backed in something with gold and maybe you want or something like that. Regional trade will go in local currencies, especially in physical commodities. And then the BRICS get their platforms together, excluding the dollar, and then they invite the dollar in. And that's where the negotiation comes in. And the Bank of International Settlements is gonna be the platform of platforms, basically. That's, that's I think that's what's gonna happen. And uh, how do you trade on that? I don't know, but there'll probably be two worlds of trading and only the banks will sit in between them. Anyway, so moving on. No, that's good, Vince. I like that. Um, Alex, what do you what do you think? Um, I want to hear what you have to say about that. I don't know. Uh, honestly, this M, M trade M trade, this is the first time I heard of this, uh, so I, I can't really speak to that. Okay. Okay. Um, I wanted to say something else, but I, it, 
it went poof. I'll I'll get back to it when it comes. I'll, I'll back. throw you what I'll throw you the link later. But M Trade's one of many. We're talking about the car being vented here, and there's a there's a bunch of different car makers. But the reason I focused on M Trade is because Zoltan Pozar mentioned it. So I saw a three minute video on it. It's basically an internal sales pitch, and you've got uh, four Asian regions. So you got uh, uh, you got uh, PBOC. You've got Taiwan. You've got, I think, Hong Kong, and another one might be Indonesia. I'm not sure. And that's like this regional thing. And you have this, you know, it's basically a it's a two minute video. And there's a platform. And what they're doing is they're talking about using a blockchain product. It's it's done. They've already done it. Oil has been traded, and you you could probably confirm this. Well, maybe you can't confirm it, but but you I, can, I, you can understand that oil has been traded in gold backed yuan since 2017. Now that may be surprising to hear so definitively, but I traded wet barrels back then. They we call the wet barrels still. I was trading physical and I was dealing with a trader out there. And uh, he said, what do you think about, you know, Bitcoin? I was like, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I know what it is. I don't know, you know. And uh, he said, well, we're trading. We did like $3 billion worth of oil in blockchain uh, between, uh, between uh, Russia and China with yuan with like a gold embedded option in it i went okay all right whatever whatever but anyway fast forward this m trade platform is that uh it, it's an it's a version of that but the, the, the point is that i'm trying to agree with what you said about the dollar this is not a dollar platform but in the middle is the fucking bis you know and the bis like like york may not survive but the bis will you know like that's that's just that's what's going on. So eventually, whether whether it doesn't have to be M Trade, Alex, whether it's M Trade or or some other product out there, they're all making their little territorial things, and they're all trying to cut deals. You know, uh, what did Russia say recently? They said to the Indians, "We're not going to take rupees. We want to take yuan." That's because there's gold involved, you know, or maybe because India is not totally committed to the uh, to the idea yet because they're still. They still have, they're going to have a big foot in both camps when it's over. Anyway, long story short, um, uh, the dollar gets invited to the table. How strong it gets invited to the table, I think, depends on Ukraine. Like, if Russia destabilizes tomorrow, let's, let's, let's take it to an extreme, right? Russia destabilizes tomorrow. China shits its pants because you have a nuclear power on your board. I'm going to an extreme. That's not, I'm not saying it's right. China's like, oh shit, we have a nuclear power on our border that's becoming fragmented and warlord-like. It's not happening, but you, you can see how that can happen, right? Uh, Europe's like, oh fuck, we've got Russia, you know, on our border, uh, uh, like freaking out. The Middle East is like, eh, we're not happy about that, but we've got our weapons from the U.S. anyway. And then the U.S. people want the dollar again. So if I'm an American neocon lunatic who wants to preserve the dollar at all cost, I want Russia to collapse. Right. And it, or, or, or get close to it. So Europe goes, uh, we'll give you Belgium. You can have Belgium. Just please come over and, you know, you can have all the beef you want. And, uh, and, and then, you know, Europe becomes a colony of the U.S. Russia, uh, and, and so Russia becomes the bad man. And all of a sudden China's like, okay, we'll be peaceful with Europe. And we'll all push up against Russia. I mean, it's kind of like a Hillary Clinton fantasy. You know what I mean? It is. Um, 
I don't, I, and, and, and I think it, but the thing is, that's what the neocons think they're going to get if that right, happens. Right. Yeah. But that's not what Davos thinks is what's going to happen. I think, right. I think Davos thinks that, 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 what's that? Donald yeah. thinks that they're going to they're going to destroy the United States in the process, and just leave our military to enforce their will around the world. Like they want the European Union, they want all the trading rules of the European Union overlaid on everything. The European Union is the model for our future, right. it politically, organizationally. Okay, the trade rules and everything else. Go look at like that's what like GDPR is all about. Now they're finding Facebook billion three for. Uh, for you know violating that, what do you think that is? That's nothing more than 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 trying to establish, you know, basically international taxing authority the same way that the United States has, has for all these years by fining people for um, for violating FATCA or whatever it is. Right? This is the way they they operate. So, Congress is using the neocons for this purpose, and they do want to destabilize Russia because they know that that's how they can subjugate China. Because right. without Russia, there is no there is no independent China, but Russia together, Russia and China together, especially them with Iran, like th that's game over. And they know that's game over. And this is what Alex and I were talking about on Saturday about Pakistan. But just to like go take, take it back into the geopolitical realm again, and, and where the, it, the Ukraine is not just the only negotiating point here, because Pakistan's another big piece to this. So is Syria. Now, Syria for the most part over. But it's still not a done deal. So, um, because if you don't stabilize Pakistan, right, then there is no overland trade route connecting China with the rest of Central Asia. You don't collapse Mackinder Heartland slash Brzezinski slash Wolfowitz um, doctrine, basically the last 160 years of British foreign policy. You don't collapse that without Pakistan. That's why they arrested him on top. That's why the U.S.-backed Pakistani military did what they did recently and why they're trying to stop the civilian government from actually gaining control over the institutions in Pakistan. They're afraid of them because they lose Pakistan, they lose everything. Then India stops becoming recalcitrant, which is part of the reason why, as you brought up, Vince, the Russians said to India, yeah, we don't, we're not particularly crazy about rupees because y'all are still got, you know, you got a foot on both. You're a man with a foot on two islands. Did, did you say y'all? So, yeah, I did. I'm from uh, just, I'm from the try. south. I'm I'm from the south now, dude. Like, and the Lincoln was a tyrant too, by the way. But My you know, <laughs> I think the big money in this world wants a cold war. I don't think we want Ukraine to end because if Ukraine ends and we're arguing that we're a permanent war economy, well, then we have to go somewhere else. And why would we want to go somewhere else when we just started this party? I think. I mean, I honestly think if we're looking at it like permanent war. World War One, that's all well and good. World War Two, Vietnam, War on Terror, that's all pussy shit compared to the Cold War. That was four and a half decades. I think they want a new Cold War. I don't think they want this. Oh, they absolutely do. Yeah, I mean, like absolutely. a real Cold, not 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 in name. I mean, they want a new Red Menace, and where you just don't bat an eye at programs like SDI, and you you're either with us or against. I think they want that, man. Nothing was more profitable than the Cold War. It was a war that cost more than anything else, and you didn't even actually have to fire bullets. It's an employment boom, yes. right? I don't think I. I'm not even kidding. I don't. I think we want Russia and China, and all of them to pair up into a new evil menace, and then it's us. And then you just you get four and a half decades of Cold War. 
So do we want Ukraine to end? No, not, not at all. No, we want it to get bigger. That's so, why we're sending F-16s. We want China to go in Taiwan, and you're with us or against us. And but, America looks like shit, but in face of a Cold War, we but look the like... the people in this room, we don't want, we don't want Ukraine to end. We, we do want Ukraine to end. We want the Russians to take Odessa, no. and we want this thing to well, end. We're normal, rational humans who aren't trying no, to pit but, the world into global war. I mean, that's a given. I'm talking about the demons inside of some nuclear bunker that are looking at it like a chessboard. So, so, but, but what I'm getting at is, is, is if you look at the Cold War, I'm, I'm, the Cold War is a skirmish war every decade. Vietnam, a Korea, Vietnam. Yeah. So, right. What I'm getting is the Cold War is, you know, uh, uh, Ukraine. Yeah. Like Ukraine is. So we, I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying, you know, if if that ends, we're going to fight another war. Well, there has to be another one that's starting before we end this one. I get what you're saying. Right. So we either yeah, got to yeah. go invade Mexico to get the cartels, Cold War, they're funded by China, doesn't need to make sense, or we got to go defend Taiwan. But you oh, got to yeah. get the next party started before we shut this one down. And seeing if, as if how Ukraine another... Ends, has, yeah. If Ukraine ends, we're invading Venezuela. No, no, Ukraine ends only if something else has started. <laughs> That's what yeah. it has to go. I mean, look at what we did between leaving Kabul and, and going into Ukraine. That was right. seven months of not knowing what to do with our hands. Like we right. we produce missiles. That's what we do. We we napalm people and nuke them from orbit. That's what we do. We don't know what to do when that isn't there. So it's like a gap in a in a workout playlist. The song just pauses and you're just sitting there grunting. No, you want the music to continue. So we're either <laughs> going to invade Mexico and say it's China or some other horseshit, or China's going to go bomb Taiwan. But we we want to get this party started. And you're right. You do it. Did you see it the other day that there were, I can't remember which, it was some Republican senator that it was time for us to bomb the TMSC, the TSMC factory in Taiwan? That's what I'm okay. talking about. Yeah, no, yeah, we're getting this thing started. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. yeah no, okay. we're going we're gonna to conveniently find a bunch of documents. Sports that, the earth yeah. before it even starts. Yeah, before no, it even starts. Yeah. That's well, your point. Well, we're yeah. already sending Taiwan weapons, right? So we're kind of laying the groundwork. You can see it coming Absolutely. from a mile yeah. away. Yeah, it's the same well, Yeah, it's the same as the eight years of the Minsk agreements and everything else. Yeah, and so. there's a reason why, even though we probably know, because we're the ones that probably released it there, but we know that COVID came from Wuhan. We're it, the v- reason why it hasn't been released is because we're convenient. That's our that's our ace. That's our trump card. We're gonna keep this cold war going, and if everything else fails, well, then we're gonna pull out the big dick card. We're gonna say seven million people died around the world because of China. We know that they did it. We're just waiting right. for when we should use that card. So the, the title of that movie is. In case of peace, do this, or if peace breaks out. Yeah, if God forbid peace <laughs> breaks out. If peace breaks out, you know, drop the Wuhan card. Yes, no, no, it's the big one. You don't want to, you don't want to use it too soon, right? And it's right. so everyone can't even imagine it. It's it's racist to say China did it, but that's the hand we have. That's the that's the the, the general whispering in the president's ear. You know, if all right. else fails, you know, we can we can pull this out. They probably already have the press conference written. I mean, Nixon had a speech written for. The astronauts dying on the moon. It was already written. It's already prepared. It's already for that situation. I mean, Eisenhower had the czar system. He had speeches written talking about which people were going to be taking over the the automotive industry in the in the wake of a nuclear war. All this stuff's prepped and ready to go. That's what I well, think. Yeah. Well, that's that's why that's why we were we were talking about Alex. We were talking about this the other day, right? That uh, the story about the F-16s being given to Ukraine. Yeah. Like, oh, we're finally going to send, we're going to finally going to send F-16s to Ukraine. Yeah. No, they were already there. Yeah. yeah. Pilots are already trained. Yeah. The pilot, the Ukrainians were sent over here a year ago. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Or to Europe. Europe. I think in 2014, we were probably like, yo, this war on terror can't go on forever. (laughs) So let's go over and get in Ukraine. No, just... they, they knew it. They knew in 2014 that 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 Russia was going to move into. Well, no, they weren't. They didn't know that. They didn't know that in 2015 Russia was going to move into Syria. Yeah, Putin kept his hand completely hidden, and, that, and that's why we left 80 billion dollars of MRAPs over in Afghanistan because we're getting ready for the next Soviet invasion of the next Cold War. So instead of having to aid the rebels, we preemptively did it. It just goes forever. Once you once you boil it down to that, and it's very depressing. I mean, really, once you start to realize that it's all just like trade lines and and military contractors, well, it becomes pretty predictable it's going to happen. Well, the, the, but the one thing I want, I want to say about this, Tommy, is that I think at this point, a lot of people, too many people see this hand at this point. And you can only do that when you have the balance sheet room to continue to lever this thing up. And deficit spend-off. When you run out of the balance sheet to do this stuff, then you either have to transfer... The, the production from one country to the next, from the British Isles to the Americans. Now the Americans are out of balance sheet room. The Europe is out of balance sheet room. The Brits are out of balance. Who's gonna Who's gonna fund the next round of, of weapons? Who's gonna fund the next round of this? There is none left. This is. I honestly think this is the crescendo. This is why this debt ceiling fight is different than before, and why this next iteration of this thing. I think everybody at this point understands the name of the game. And they're getting off the, the they're getting off that train. I think, ahead, I, think I, I I entirely agree with you, Tom. And there's another big problem in the, in mm-hmm. the Cold War scenarios is that the Cold War that we had in the past uh, was actually a fake one. You know, it, it it was real, but the rivalry was fake. Yeah. At the at the very top of the pyramid, didn't we uh, give them nuclear the, secrets right after World War Two? Yeah, exactly. So they were, you know, like as soon as one one side got uh, an advantage in weapons technology, they would <laughs> share the technology with the other side, so they would match them. So you know, like they were they were bilking the populations, yeah. uh, and and the, and the rivalry, you know, at the very top level was was contrived. It wasn't real, yeah. and the the actual top level elites or you know, not not elites, the scumbags, the the parasites, controlled the game at the very top, both sides. Yeah. The problem is that this is no longer the case. So uh, Vladimir Putin and his cabinet, they're for real. And you know, I I keep hearing this like, oh no, he's a WEF puppet. They're all in it together. I I haven't heard any really serious evidence of this. This is just conjecture because he was part of the WEF. Oh, therefore he's loyal to them, you know, and because he shook hands with Klaus Schwab's, oh, you know, there's your, there's your proof. And because he was tight with Henry Kissinger in the early days of his, uh, of his presidency, you know, whatever, you know, you have your adversaries, you talk to them, you're, you're close to them. You keep them close. You you want to understand their agenda. You you want to know how to position yourself vis-a-vis them, what the threats are, what the game is. So you have to talk to them. You can't just like build a big wall and you know assume that you understand the blows that are coming your way. Anyway, so that all changed, and not only did it change, uh, Russia 
apparently has such advantage in in weaponry today that at the most optimistic it'll take the west at least five to ten years to catch up with their hypersonics it's not just hypersonics it's the yeah. electronic warfare which apparently the west cannot match is the radar systems which the west has no answer to and uh, all these weapons are now being prepared for exports so there's like a uh, nations of the world, the global south, is lining up to order the radar system, the, the missile system, the air defense systems, and so forth. And um, so this changes the balance of power, and Russia and China are not joking around. And Vincent, you, you were very right to say that uh, Russia cannot... Sorry, China cannot allow for Russia to be destabilized because if you look at the genesis of the Nazification of Ukraine, you realize that if Russia got destabilized, the same process could be uh, started in Russia and then to turn Russia into an enemy of China with all the weaponry. So, uh, in 2014, they do have history. They're not they're not best friends. They're friends by convenience now. They do have that history and that yeah. and there are voices in Russia, you know, the the, the sixth column that we, we discussed on Sunday with Tom that are already, you know, busily writing in the in the on, on Telegram and on, on the on the social media that actually China is the enemy, you know, like we have to control you know, I'm talking about Russians pointing at China as the enemy and that we have to prepare for that. So if, you know, like if for some reason, Vladimir Putin's government got destabilized and then you started having the communists and the, and the nationalists and the, you know, various uh, Alexei Navalny's vying for power and the God knows in a few years, maybe uh, Western powers managed to install their own Vladimir Zelensky in power uh, it would take a couple of years for them to notify Russia and to persuade the Russian population that China is the devil and to do exactly what they've done with Ukraine vis-a-vis -vis Russia to do with Russia against China. So Russian and Chinese alliance is for real. It's for he keeps and they both see it as existential. And I'll, I'll just finish, I'll just wrap this up because it's not aimed at United States per se. It's aimed at the imperial oligarchy. And I, I, I just listened to an interview today with the former head of MI6, Sir Richard Dearlove, who, who said exactly what I suspected was the case and he was talking about basically that their win their window of opportunity is 2024. They're scared shitless. Wait, hold hold that, on, who's they? Who's they? Well, they, you they know, he, he, he's the head of, he's the, he's the former head of MI6. So when okay. I say they, I think that he represents this imperial oligarchy in London. That's what I wanted to know. Okay. He's the former boss of, uh, of, um, of uh, Christopher no, no, I, Steele, I know he is. Know the... I really wanted to know if you meant they representing the oligarchy or they he's speaking for 
China and Russia. No, no, no. They uh, they are representing the oligarchy. They are yeah. they are very very worried that uh, when they lose the Biden administration in the House, the days of them wielding the United States political, military, diplomatic power around the world are over. Yes. And that the next lineup, probably with Donald Trump in charge, is going to, I think, make peace with Russia and China, probably join uh, Eurasian integrations as a business partner, and do business with this massive chunk of world trade, because why not? Mm -hmm. And so uh, they are... They're dead worried about this, and it's not the end of U.S. hegemony. It's the end of the imperial project, and you're going to be left with the, with Great Britain, with a band of zealots representing them in the EU, uh, with Canada, maybe Australia, probably not New Zealand, and that's going to be it. And they're going to be surrounded on all sides. It's, it's just going to be, uh, you know, a house of cards coming down. Look, Alex, thank you. That, that, that's, that was awesome because it, 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 it dovetails with what I'm about to say, which is this is to add to that, which is that think of it this way, guys. They're scared shitless. When Trump came to power, they lost political control of the United States. Let's break, bear, break it down to like very basic uh, um, elements here. You can have by. You, in order to control a country, you need both political and economic control. You need control yeah. of the central bank, and you need control of the political process, right? So if you own the legislature and or the executive, and you own the central bank, then you can have continuity of or coordination of policy at an international level. This goes back to what I've been saying about central bank policy in the wake of uh, Lehman Brothers, when I said that the, the dollar reserve standard ended in 2011 when they birthed the coordinated central bank policy in September of 2011. They broke the gold bull market. The United States lost the AAA rating, but they created a $500 billion trust fund between all the major central banks to coordinate policy. In the issue of the newsletter I just published, I went ahead and I, um, I, I went to the St. Louis Fed and I got the real broad effective exchange rates for the yen, the euro, the yuan and the dollar. And I just published them from the birth of Abinomics to today. And what you see is very, very clearly that during that period, the yen was trashed under Abinomics to bring it in line with the rest of the other currencies. The dollar, the dollar started a bull market, which has not ended, by the way, in real effective broad exchange rate. Dollar's been in a bull market since 2011, possibly earlier. I haven't gone back to look at it, but just from this point forward. Um, but that bull market was, you know, leveled off during the Zerp year, right? And then the yen came down, the dollar rose, the, everything stayed sideways, and then all four of those traded in a very, very tight band until June of 2021, when Powell raised the reverse repo rate five basis points above the Fed funds rate, started self-tightening, the yen got trashed, the dollar started to take off, and now the currency uh, exchange rate controlled, the control of the, of the exchange rates blew apart, and, is, and now is blowing apart rapidly, okay? And I had, didn't put the, the, the pound in there, because after a while, I'm like, it's 
four currencies is enough. You can't see any, you can't see data once you've got more than that's even almost too many. So that's the period we're in now. We're in that we're in the breakdown period now. And yes, they are scared shitless of this. They don't have control of the Federal Reserve because the Federal Reserve blew up the coordinated central bank policy. Uh, you guys, I venture, venture muted. Can't Could have blown you. everything out. And there it is. So, so, go ahead. The, the G7 central banks got married in 2011 and divorced yep. in 2021. Yep. And now, you know, what? And I'm sure Europe is trying to get that, trying to get the old girlfriend back uh, yep. with, 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 uh, with, with, uh, well, is dating the old girlfriend again, but is trying to make sure that she stays in office. Anyway, I don't we're know. We're going to get some crazy sex tapes is what you're going to Well, no, but Vincent, you're not wrong. And if they can't get the Federal Reserve under control, notice that we go back to Janet Yellen. Nope. Yellen is try and are trying to do an end run around Fed policy by setting policy, as you and I discussed on the podcast yeah, you and I did I a couple weeks ago, doing yield curve control. She's trying to reinstate QE around the Federal Reserve by doing yield curve control. And the last one of the major central banks to continue the old policy is the Bank of Japan. And Ueda has made it clear he's going to end yield curve control, but it's going to be on his time. He doesn't have to yet because right, right now the Japanese 10-year continues to be underneath the cap of 0.5%. Right. It's trading to 38 basis points this afternoon. I looked, up, looked it up this afternoon. Well, uh, when, I, when everyone is dead in Japan, they won't have to worry about inflation. You know, because they're all dying anyway, and they're not. Right. Just, I'm, right. I'm making a joke, but I know. I know. But, I mean, that's 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 the thing. By the way, there is one central bank still working with the U.S., and I'm com I'm comfortable saying this, and that is Japan. So mm -hmm. the curve control thing. And I just want to throw this out there. People are going to start talking about it more and more, um, and I'm not sure how technically literate uh, people are, but the yield curve control thing is QE, right? Yes. And it, it's quantitative easing at the back end of the curve. And so what they'll do, like they did in Japan, when they stop it in Japan, we'll probably start it here. And so uh, if you have inflation, well, let's 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 just stay on point. If Yellen gets her way, we get yield curve control. Okay, so yes. let's the Davos appeasing wing of the U.S. government uses yield curve control to uh, make the Davos people happy. Um, if we get Trump or a conservative in there, uh, or, or someone who's just not uh, of the uh, of the Davos uh, ilk, we might have just straight inflation crushing uh, behavior, and that would hurt. That would hurt Europe more. Anyway, okay. Um, but on that point, the yield curve control I think is still bailing out the ECB and their attempts at yield curve control oh, because yeah. the short yeah, and so um, it's actually helping. Yeah, it's helping. It's uh, uh, Ueda wait, wait, is. You mean the Japanese yield curve control is done? Yes. Yeah. Keep talking. I used to think. I used to think the way you did. You did about this. I used to think that it was the Bank of Japan being the Fed's wingman when it came to manipulating the dollar. In the in in the in recent months, though, it's become clear to me when I look at the the TIC report, right, and the flow of treasuries around the world, U.S. treasuries around the world, right, right. Japan and China and Asia Pacific have been selling net sellers. And right. the whole eurozone system have been buying, and right. they're buying. What are they buying? They're buying the long end of the curve in order to in order to manipulate credit spreads and and to keep. And they they got to do something to keep the euro from collapsing. And right. the main right. reason they have to keep the euro from collapsing is because oil, because of oil prices. 
they can't allow the oil to get more expensive in Europe. Right. Right. So, uh, during, okay. During, during, okay, so let's see if I can wrap, I wrap my head around this. So, <laughs> this, one, so, this, one's, no, no. this one's complicated. No, so. well, I mean, I, I mean, I, yeah, I just want to make sure that I'm articulating it right. Sure. That right. So, so generally speaking, uh, when the uh, yen uh, was weakened, debased, right before they started the yield curve control, uh, that wasn't so much to make the dollar stronger as it was to make uh, the euro stronger. In a sense, it lowered. The- well, it says when we were at the zero bound, it made it just crushed everything into place. But now that we're off of now we're off of this, leaving yield curve control in place is allowing Lagarde to man, man, to manage the decline in credit spreads of yeah. Europe as of European sovereign debt. Because now the Fed's raising interest rates, and Lagarde is trying to blunt the rise of European right. um, um, debt yields at the same, right. so that they don't just blow out because right. if, they, if they if the Japanese were to end yield curve control tomorrow and send the and allow the ten year to go to two percent, right. um, German ten years would be at seven, would be at six percent overnight. It's like a it's like a big daisy chain, basically. Yeah. So 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 or hide the P, you know, uh, right. uh, under countries. So while we're raising, uh, Japan is facilitating Europe's continued existence. The ECB. Basically, right. I think I, I think it's helping. I think it's helping the ECB manage credit spreads. That's why I've been watching. Um, desperately watching for a while now the uh, the U.S. German two-year and the U.S. German ten-year spread, right. and they're both been collapsing. Meaning Germany, you know, was trading at a much bigger um, premium to on both of those on both the short end and the long end of the yield curve of uh, the U.S. debt for a long time. At one point, you know, German ten years were you know 0.4 percent, and the German two-year was negative 0.9 percent, and you know, at the beginning of the year or at the beginning of last year, you know, the two year, um, the, the, the German two year was trading at like, you know, over, over 2%. Yeah. Over like 2.9% less than the U S 10 year. And now that spread is down to 1.3%. And the day, here's the gig that you can see this, the day that Ueda, um, came out and said, we're not with the last BOJ meeting said, we're not ending yield curve control. Right. The U.S. Japanese, the U.S. German ten-year spread gets under a point, under a hundred basis points. Uh-huh. Since then, it's rallied thirty basis points. On the two-year, it's rallied forty basis points. And that, while the and and while the euro also rallied a bit back up to one ten, but now the euro is back to one hundred eight. And so there's this game that they're playing to manage yield curve, uh, yield spreads, and the exchange rate of the euro in dollars. And they're getting, and they're doing this because they're trying to keep the price of oil low, and that's why Biden is draining, continuing to drain the SPR, right, right, and manipulate manipulate oil prices because they've got to get Europe set up to be able to get through this fucking winter without having everything explode. So right. it's all a big game of extended pretend. And at some point, a weight is going to go. You know what? We're we're living, giving up yield curve control, and when that happens, the ECB will have no other cover. Not, no other rocks to hide them. And they'll either have to be seriously continuing to buy. I mean, I think they're literally buying U.S. tenure to keep the, two, the U.S. 210 spread at historic, you know, inversion in order to make everybody go, no, really, the U.S. is going to default. Oh, there's going to be a recession. Don't, right. don't, don't put your money in the United States. Don't put your money in the United States when everybody wants to leave Europe. When all the money is desperately trying to leave Europe 
but it doesn't know where to go. So it's frozen. Capital is just kind of sitting there going, where do I put my money? The U.S. is a mess. I got a guy who pooped his fucking pants in public. Ursula von der Leyen at the D7 is the one that gave the keynote fucking speech. And what did she say? European and Asian security is our primary focus. Asian security. NATO and this NATO's new mission is Asian security. And that oh, yeah, came Japan's directly from the head fucking Nazi's mouth. Yeah. Japan's going to join NATO, which kind yeah. of goes back to the Cold War thing. Mm-hmm. Before ever end in Asia, Japan and China fucking hate each other. The Koreas are still there. I mean, well, I mean, remember, go back to why was Abenomics even implemented in the first place? Because six months before Abe took power, the giant, the Chinese and the Japanese had signed an agreement to hold each other's bonds and in, in, in each other's central bank as each as part of each other's foreign exchange reserve. They were doing this. The yen was trading at seventy five to the dollar. I was writing articles. I was working with a guy in Vietnam at the time, and I I, I literally wrote an article under his name saying the yen has the opportunity to become the regional reserve currency of South of Southeast Asia. And they were colonizing Vietnam. They were using the strong yen to buy up to, to buy up um, factories all over Ho Chi Minh City, Laos, Cambodia. They were putting their money everywhere. They were buying young, they were buying young, skilled, and educated labor in Vietnam to offset their fucking demographic crisis. And then the United States came in and threw the old regime out, put in Abe, who, tra- who trashed the friggin', who trashed the currency. And I remember Lou Rockwell saying. Well, the Liberal Democratic Party of Japan has always been a wholly owned subsidiary of the of the CIA. He literally, I mean, I remember I remember reading that article when I, when Abe came to power, going, "Holy shit, he's so fucking right." Right. And then when Abe refused to, you know, force Japan to get friggin' vaccinated, killed him. Japan is the safest country in the world. I have a friend of mine. I have a, I have a patron sent me a DM over the weekend. He was in Hiroshima this weekend. And he said the place was like it was on complete lockdown. This is the safest country in the world with the most placid people in the world. What are they talking about? And they had the place literally a police state. And they had to they held this thing in fucking Hiroshima. This goddamn death cult. Where they were symbolically remind everybody that if you don't do what we want you to do, we'll nuke you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the story from this weekend. You know, I think, on a side note, I mean, I think nuking Japan really just paid us dividends over the decades. That oh, that turned them from, like, a hyper-masculine World War II power to, like, they just put out anime. Like, that broke them. It's been 80 years, and they're still broken. I think well, we should be nuking more small countries. Just as an aside. Like Sorry, just, just as an aside. like my friend John said. Um, uh, oh, I, I gotta say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go way off, off script here and tell you that. Go for it. No, I'll, I'll tell you this, dudes. There's a, there's a series, there's an anime series. You bring it up called Ghosts in the Cell Standalone Company. One of the greatest television shows ever made. And second season of SAC. They only did two full seasons of the show. The second season is, both seasons are all about destabilizing uh, Japanese politics for geopolitical purposes internally the second season is absolutely about manipulating the uh the media 
and creating a fake refugee crisis in order to start World War III. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, I, dude, it was, it, it was, I, I, I keep going back to this and, watch, and thinking to myself, oh, my God, it's coming true. Wait, uh, in order to start World War Three or stop? Start. Okay. So another thing to kind of look at then is um, everything we're talking about, none of these projections really ever go past like five or ten years. So just if being really like a hundred thousand foot view, is that really all history has ever been and we're just seeing it in a more intricate manner now? That it's just this massive crazy like blindfolded running around on a unicycle putting out fires and there's really nothing controlling it there's some people have plans and there are temporary factions but that's really all geopolitics is it's just this insane nuthouse of trying to put out 10 fires with nine fire extinguishers all while holding a press conference <laughs> it kind of makes me feel better honestly it, it actually is a lot of that time that's very positive news it actually is there, well, there are people well no yeah, it's just because instead of the idea that it's like this top down hyper educated in control Machiavellian oh, yeah. planners but rather it's just dude, everyone's just barely barely getting the the kids to school on time that's kind of yeah. that's a little more that's kind of heartwarming you're like oh it's, it's that all is actually retarded. that yeah. is exactly what's happening yeah. They, they all have their plans. I always say, that's, Tommy, that's they, very they, these are the they think they're the smart. They these are the people who think they run the world. Yeah, not the people who actually run the world. They they move levers. They do all sorts of things, but you know they cannot control secondary and tertiary and quaternary effects. Yeah. And it's those secondary, tertiary, and quaternary effects, second order, third order, fourth order effects. That are the things that stabilize all their that run the world, yeah. That actually run the world, yeah. So, so you can, so you can. What do you think? What do you, what do you think, Alex? Uh, I, I think I, you know I agree, but also you know you might add that they are staggeringly stupid, and yeah, I'm no, not. They're, no, you know, they're like, retarded. I, I don't. You know, like it's it's it, it's funny, but it's not even funny because it's for real. I mean, just think that this same kind of lineup of permanent power in Washington, what was it? Barely 20 years ago, they wrote that that very pretentious, very overambitious project for the new American, American century. century. Well, actually, it was, I mean, it was about 22 years what, ago. It's been barely 20 years. And I mean, like, talk about opposite outcomes and unintended consequences. I mean, yeah. like, if you if you wanted to bungle it this badly... You would have to think like, you know, like if somebody gave you a million dollars in a in a brokerage account and said like, you have to lose this money as quickly as you can. It's not so easy. Mm-hmm. Like it's it, it's not that easy, you know. Like you would you would try to do stupid thing and then some of it would make you money. Yeah. But these people managed to take like a, the world's sole superpower. And destroy it in the space of twenty years. Yeah, because it was intentional. I mean, they're not bungling idiots. They 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 know what they're doing. Oh no, I think they're idiots. I think it's a mix. I think it's a mix. I think it's a mix of both. I mean, when you when you get when you get into the into the into the details of what they do and how they're doing it, 
they cock up at absolutely everything that matters and that's mm -hmm. that's actually a very encouraging I, I, thing i want i want i want to clarify the because this is I, the world is run by pedophiles uh, sociopaths oh. yeah. so, no hear me out hear me out it's not going to be your typical conversation right just because you're a sociopath doesn't mean you're smart. So you've got a million sociopaths <laughs> in the world, and they're sociopathic. They've got no, they've got no amygdala or whatever that part of the brain is. They, 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 they can't possibly care about anything other than what's in front of their nose. Now, within that sector of these million sociopaths, five percent of them are really fucking smart. I mean, look. Where I grew up, you had plenty of you had you had guys that were robbing houses. Okay, they were sociopaths. They got caught. They went to jail. You had guys that were low-level gangsters. They were sociopaths. Some of them got caught. And then as you went up the ladder, it was like, okay, now you're on Wall Street. They're sociopaths. Most of them don't get caught. Now you're in politics. So it's it's it's. I think the world is run by a million sociopathic idiots. And of that million, 5% really know what's going on. And here's my proof. I mean, it's not even proof. From central banking point of view, when you hear all the central bankers speak, you know, if you're in tune to it, like I try to be, I can tell who is just mouthing, who's the minion, just mouthing uh, uh, the, the, the uh, sociopath's rhetoric, and who actually knows they're full of shit and is just trying to get out of it. Anyway, so that's what I was trying to say, Tommy. That, like, Thank you. There, there are some. There is a a subculture of the subculture that has a brain, and the problem is even they can't fucking control the idiots working for them. So every twenty no. years, every twenty years, it goes to shit, right? I mean, what, what were we doing? We were we were congratulating ourselves after after the USSR fell, and then we pissed it away. Yep. Right? Which is why we need a new one. That's right. Yep. It's all about cycles. We need to have a little bit of creative, a little bit of creative depth. So yep. why can't we pick cities to nuke? Can we do that? No, there's not going to be any nukes. It's going to be the same thing as a cold war. It's going to be all. No, fun. but I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, you're, you're, you're hypothetical. The dividends that Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. So, so let's all, can we all just be neocons here like so we need oh so we uh we need a nuke uh is taipei well, taiwan, is taipei in taiwan that, that they used to have the world's tallest building back in the early 2000s taipei 101 we need to nuke them so yeah. taiwan will become our cucks and then they'll serve us for 80 years it's not big enough you don't want someone that's actually going to punch back you can't nuke china okay you can't, you nuke can't Russia. Well, you can't nuke Taiwan because if you do that, um, uh, the Chinese will will lose their minds. It has to be the the. If I could be neocons for a minute, and this is I, I don't want to be a neocon. I, be, I still want to be an anti neocon. I just want right. to. I think Medvedev is right, and we should just you know just take out London. But you know, um, it's this, an this island. Is me not. This is not me being. This is not me being a neocon. This is like me trying to solve the problem. Uh, I'm for right. I, I, I think I think if no, you want to be is, no, Mark Armstrong made the point that you nuke you nuke Kiev to end all. I've been saying that for a year. Biden, if Biden campaigned on I'm nuking Kiev, I would I would I would phone bank for no, him. no, 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 no. Putin nukes Kiev. Oh, and I've been saying Biden. And, and then, if, if not again, no one wants this to happen. I kind of do, but it, but 
uh, fine, Tommy. You you can live you can live in that world. Um, I, it's like there comes a point where it the the thing that has to be dealt with here is that the neoconservative mindset is that if they're not pushing back, they're they're, they're bullies. The neoconservatives are very simple. They're just bullies. Okay, and as long as you don't bloody a bully's nose, he'll think you're weak. So you bloody his nose in such a way that he can't respond. Because if you, you know, at this point, he have, would any, this is what they're, but again, but at the same time, this is kind of what they want, right? They want the Russians to go off half cock. The Brits have been trying to manipulate events in Ukraine to get the Russian hardliners that we spoke about earlier to weep into power, right? And do something really dumb. And then we'll have the moral high ground to go in and take out the Russians the way we want well, that, That's what the Russian. I forget who was saying. Was it Medved who's saying he thinks that the that the UK uh, the UK final plan uh, would be a um, uh, a tactical nuke in Ukraine because they need to draw Russians really off sides or blame it on Russia or something like that. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I mean and Medvedev has made this point. He's also just said, and I think not. And this is and I don't take him I don't take him seriously when he says this. I take I take I don't take him literally when I say that. I think he means this metaphorically, which is very simply: we know who's giving the orders. Yeah, we know who's giving the orders, and we know what we would have to do to get rid of those those who would who would who are giving those orders. And that means you know if you guys don't stop it, we know how to do to flood London. And he mm. said that. I don't think that he wants to nuke London, but if you want a quote unquote, I hate to use the term final solution to this problem, that's where it is. Cause he under, he knows where this is coming from. Mm-hmm. He knows where these orders are being given, but their hands are tied because they also know what the outcome, the fallout again, no poor point. choice of words would be <laughs> from that. Okay. So, you know, it's like, it's the, the, the knock-on effects of it. And we, none of us want this to spiral out of control because then the whole thing just, you know, goes, goes, goes ballistic again, to use a bad term. So like, sorry. I mean, this is, this is, these are the terms that we've been, that we've been, you know, these are the, the, this is what we're dealing with here. So it's this dance of the Russians having to continually take a punch in the mouth continually take a punch in the mouth, continually take a punch in the mouth until there is no other option than to beat the Ukrainians militarily, which is why they've been braiding the, the Bakhmut meat grinder in order, and in order to degrade the West in every way, politically, economically, financially, militarily, to fight to continue fighting this war until the day comes when now they've set the stage when they can then run the table on what's left of the, the remnant of the Ukrainian army. And the question about that is going to be when the mud dries in central Ukraine and the swamplands across from, you know, Mikolaev to Odessa are reasonable, reasonable to tra- traverse, that's when the Russians can engage in maneuver warfare again. They can't do so as of right now. Isn't Ukraine was too power, you know, was too strong a year ago. Now, when they never got um, a, a full freeze in Kiev or in, in in the Donbass this winter, McGregor's made this point multiple times. But now they're bombing 
the bridges, the bridge connections between Moldova and Odessa. They're taking out the ability of NATO to supply Odessa from Romania and Bulgaria. And because of that, the stage is now set for when the, the when the when when the time is right, that will be Russia's next play. And once they take Odessa, it's over. The other thing they were hoping they were waiting for was the Turkish election. Because with Erdogan surviving, now Turkey is still independent for all intents and purposes. If Erdogan had lost, and he's not going to lose the runoff, by the way, because the hard the, the hard right guy who got five percent just threw his through his people, through his support behind Erdogan. Erdogan will win the runoff. Turkey is going to continue to effectively position itself as a as an independent but nominally outside of the West sphere of influence. If the other guy had won, they were going to Turkey was going to be fast tracked into the EU. Isn't this kind of symbolic at just how how prideful and hubris filled our plans are? That if we're talking about how this war in Ukraine is going to be the negotiation table for the future of the world reserve currency and thus uh, the global hegemon, and we're waiting on this a- attack by Russia, which itself is predicated upon mud drying. <laughs> Isn't this kind of absurd that the grand at all is based on mud drying? Like, have we really left the caves or are we just still dumb chimpanzees? It's all comes down to the mud drying. Is this not symbolic of like, take a step back. Like we don't control anything. Like that's, that's kind of humbling. It's the, the, the entire new, like (laughs) comes down to the mud drying. Is that not the next The rest of the rest of the century of history comes down to, you know, when the mud in Central we, Ukraine We bombed Nagasaki and instead of Kyoto because Truman said, I want you to have visual confirmation, and there were clouds over Kyoto that day. Like, Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so they flew over it like 10 times, and they couldn't see it. So they're like, all right, so just kind of flip of the coin, we just nuked another. Like, that. it's kind of hilarious. It's kind of humbling that, like, <laughs> there were clouds, and that's why you know the name Nagasaki and not really Kyoto. So we're waiting on the mud to dry in some Nazi-infestated shithole in Eastern Europe to determine the rest of the century. That's kind of humbling. There's really no bigger thought on that. That doesn't go anywhere. I was just making an observation. Right. It is. <laughs> Anybody else has to what do you think? I want to add to that? What do you think, Vince? <laughs> I, think, I think we should nuke London. No, I am on board with that. I think a small nuke, a little one. No, I mean, look, look, guys, a little, a little baby one. I want to t- tie it all together, right? <laughs> it's the Watchmen. We need aliens to come down that are going to, you know, uh, we need to tell them that. Look, I mean, this is, it sounds like it's it's masturbation or, or 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 nihilism. It's not like Truman and MacArthur had this conversation. Yeah, the Korean War. Yeah. Let- nuke the 38th parallel yeah and that'll teach them a lesson and we'll keep them separate from us for a while i mean this this conversation is happening again somewhere yeah you know true, true. it's a tactical to go so if you drop it in ukraine then it's then it's then it could be bad right if you drop it in asia then japan might get nervous china might attack you drop it in london you know i mean 
I mean, I'm a New Yorker, right? I mean, it kind of yeah. helps. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But Move the finance. That could not be a big boom. newt. Small yeah. newt. Little baby no, one. No, just not, not, not even. You know what? I want to have what's the opposite of a of a smart bomb? I want to have a newt that keeps the people alive but destroys the city. I want one of those. No, well, that, you, want, you want the opposite you want the you want the opposite of a neutron bomb. Well that doesn't neutron, not that, smart bomb, a neutron well, bomb. Well, that doesn't, yeah, I want I want the one that destroys it's gonna it's gonna It doesn't exist, but go on. It'll be like, how no, would you destroy exactly physical structures that's but not exactly the kindles. It'll be like fertilizer, right? I mean is that the that's was that what did you say, Alex? No, that's exactly the kinjels. It doesn't have to be nuclear. Kinjal, the hypersonic. Because if you if you if you hit a couple of places in London with kinjels, it's 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 not nuclear. It's convention. You know, it can it can have conventional warheads, but still completely devastate. Let's say MI6 headquarters, MI5 headquarters, GCHQ headquarters. Uh, if you want to get creative, maybe uh, you know the the parliament. We might legally BBC. be recording terrorism right now. But that being said, I'm with you. No, I think no, you I'm, just, do... I'm just saying it's not. I'm it's not out, necessary. I'm, I'm, I'm the, nuke, the, nuke, the nuke explodes. No, but the nuke holds more. Nuke it holds more symbolic conscious power. Yeah, I no, I think I think anything I think anything hitting the symbolic power is what you hit. No, not... I, think, I think he's right now. The hypersonic missile, and then we have some sort of a CGI effect that creates a mushroom cloud, right? I mean, there's there you go. Be a lot of just a deep fake. Just a just deep fake of a, of, of a, of a nuke. What, what if you nuked Pripyat? It's already a denied territory, and it would make no difference. What is that? That's where Chernobyl is. Oh, there it's you in go. in Ukraine. Because no one can live there anyway. You just nuke it to show that you are willing to, like, set one off. And a hush comes over the crowd because I really, I, again, really, I, I, I would rather like let's let's get off of this this line of, uh, and and the and the reason is because and it's not because I'm it's not just because I'm uncomfortable, but because this is where we don't want this conflict. Well, of, co- of course, we're fucking around. Course, no, yeah. nobody wants anyone to get nuked. No, it's, it's yeah, it's that's but exactly. the, the reason I thought of it is because it's because um because uh, Medvev have been talking about. Uh, the UK yes. possibly escalating it to that level uh, if yes. it went on too long. They, they, you know, that and, and oh yeah, no, that's this conversation is happening, Vince. You're completely right about that. It's pathetic. this conversation is happening in other places. There's no argument there. Um, they're trying desperately to figure out how they can get this. They just want to look like the good guys. They have a pathological need to be to claim the moral high ground. Right. So the Davos crowd is, if you want to look at it, like in terms of personality types. Mm-hmm. In war, Davos is passive aggressive. Or Absolutely. Davos, right there, like, you know, we're constantly trying to draw Russia off sides. Yes. That's what And doing. yeah, I mean and, and Russia's just going, you know, that's that's nice. Um you can you can you can do a hard count all you want. You're not pulling our guys, we have too much discipline for this. As long as Putin's in power. Right. Because Putin understands this. And and you know, one of the things I, I want to go back to something that Alex pointed out right at the beginning of the thing, which is this whole idea that Putin is a a WF puppet and all this stuff. Yeah. We're in a we're in a we're in a place today uh, where the amount of malinformation, disinformation, overlapping psyops are so deep, right? That and we have a proliferation now of new commentators and frankly people with not enough experience with these ideas 
to be able to separate connection with reality, right? So these people are, are in the reality creation. Go back to the, the quote that's attributed to Dick Cheney, but it was really Carl Rove, or I think it's attributed to Carl Rove, but it's really Dick Cheney or somebody. It doesn't really matter who, who said it. We are in the reality creation business. We create reality and you're forever chasing yesterday's reality while we create the new reality. Well, the reality of today is, you know, this, this, these, these are ideas that are seeded into the narrative that don't exist. These are all, again, these are all standalone complexes. These are not, this is not reality. So everybody who's ever been placed on a WEF uh, website page as a quote unquote global young leader, like, now has been painted with the guilt by association brush, even if they never agreed to have their name put on the WF World Young World Global Leader page. Tulsi Gabbard is a perfect example of this. And yet today, he is still fighting this years after having said, no, I never talked to these people. They invited me once, they put, her, put me on the page, and now everybody uses it. It's the same thing with Putin. Like, who and you know who they were or what they were 20 years ago is not relevant to who they are now. You're assuming that they've nothing has ever changed, and it's just this nine-year-old argument, or this nine-year-old view of the world, or pre-adolescent view of the world that once bad, once a bad guy, or once in bed with the wrong guys, always in bed with the wrong guy. And we're living in that world today, and it's really muddying the analysis in the waters because no one has any idea of what's actually going on. And I'm still fighting this shit. And it bothers me to know what Because people who should know better are continuing to act as water carriers for these fucking assholes who are literally feeding bad information into the zeitgeist. doesn't matter if we're talking about 9-11 or the Kennedy assassination or any of these things. And it's, you have to realize that this is what, this is why Hinjaw up the ass of MI6 and GCHQ it's literally the end of the war because that's where ninety percent of these fucking things come from. Isn't you know could this be a, a whole missile gap scenario or a bomber gap? Talking about the Kinzhal, because I mean in twenty ten we shot the DARPA created HTV two the hypersonic test vehicle too. It went Mach twenty. It went like four times faster than the Kinzhal, I and mean, that was twelve years ago. So is it? Yeah, I mean, we have hypers. We have hypersonic missiles. So, so, I mean, that's my point. It's like, is the idea? Is this just another missile gap, a bomber gap that we find? We always knew, but we find out ten years later. Oh, the Soviets didn't actually have that. Yeah, but it's, it's the defense contract. We thought that we thought that Khrushchev was building five or six hundred a year, and then we found out they were building four, not four hundred, right. four. Like right. you know, we thought they had more bombers. I mean, they pulled some fucking like. Some like road, like 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 coyote and roadrunner shit. They just recorded the same bombers looping around the city, right? I mean, is it possible no, I mean, we're just falling hook, line, and sinker for another missile gap? That's, that's I, I, war. I don't that's know the, uh, if I can. That's that's the Cold War concept, that exactly. You're right, right. Yes. So, so the 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 missile gap and uh, uh, the space race. We have to catch up with the yeah. so. Right. So that's yeah. the missile gap. And by the way, by the way, here, I'll, I'll throw this at you because this this dovetails into that. The 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 whether it be the Davos Americans or the uh, conservative Americans, for lack of a better word, um, 
the U.S. is now sticking with its ideology, right? And 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 the East is sticking with its ideology, very materialistic, and and, and the U.S. is very we'll call it woke <clears throat> and progressive. Uh, but but we need to. We're going. We're doing this right now. We're rearming. We're reshoring. You know, because we're it's an it's a mercantilist move. We're gonna <clears throat> start building domestically, et cetera, et cetera. And the war that's shaping up now, the 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 gap, which is going to, which by the way, missiles, yes, space, it's all going to be in like. In, it sounds like I'm talking about something out of a of a '70s movie, but it's all computer chips, right? So we're going to restrict them from getting intellectual capital in the form of technology for as long as we can, and we're going to rebuild it, and we're going to be in a race with Russia. The missiles are an example of that. Uh, Technology. What's the other thing you were talking about? You mentioned um, uh, there's a t there's something else that Russia is ahead of us on. Um, radar, radar, out, radar, surface to air. Radar. That's it. The radar, right? Exactly. So, so those are reasons to have a cold war. You know, mm -hmm. those are reasons to spend on rearming and reshoring and you know drilling for lithium. We're not drilling for oil anymore because that's bad. Because it hurts the earth, but now Exxon's drilling for lithium. They announced that yesterday. Yeah, they're drilling for lithium. It's 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 all. It's setting up for the next Cold War. So who's some great power is going to go into the biggest lithium deposits in the world, Afghanistan, and we're going to go? Right. Oh my God, we got to go stop them. But we've already preemptively armed the rebels by just leaving them a bunch of military equipment, knowing that China or Russia would probably be invading <clears throat> them by twenty. That's totally true. Um, I, I did hear. I did hear. I read. The time we pulled out of Afghanistan, they also announced that Japan found a huge lithium deposit uh, off, I don't know if it's off their coast or on their coast. So maybe we pulled back from Afghanistan and left the guns there as a. I think they found a huge deposit up here in Maine. Yeah. Or New Hampshire or something. Well, I, but I, but again, the 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 I think the onshore, I think the reshoring <laughs> argument, it has more to do with the. Again, let's go. Let's 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 back up a little bit here, and I want to bring Alex in on this. Which is, look, what if the globalists are losing? All right. Okay. Now, if the globalists don't have control over the United States, and Biden, for the most part, he's doing, he's part of what he's doing is this whole reshoring, this reonshoring thing. It's because the new Cold War, the new. I, I've been saying the new Iron Curtain is going to be the International North-South Transport Corridor, right. right? The trade corridor that runs from St. Petersburg to Chabahar on the in the Indian Ocean, the south of Iran, right? Multimodal trade corridor, north and south across Asia. All you need now is Pakistan to ensure that you're going east-west overland route, and now you have the whole Belt and Road, Heart, McKinder Heartland theory. It collapses. The, the the world island is now one big unit. All the things we talked about at the beginning of the conversation. Powell's meeting with the head of the PBOC for the first time since 2020. Right. Jamie Dimon just went to China last week. I know, I know. Don't get me started on that shit. Yes. No, no. Jamie Dimon went to China last week. Again, this is about yeah. negotiating the terms of the divorce. Right. It's not that hard, folks. The good guys in the United States are winning the sovereignists. I don't like to call them the good guys. They're actually the sovereignists. The Americans who... The Americans want America to back off the empire for oligarch for European oligarch reasons, right? For their for their benefit. The 
this is what's starting to happen. And what we're seeing on Capitol, why this is actually not about the mud in Ukraine. It's about the debt ceiling fight here in the United States. Because if Biden wins this debt ceiling fight, then all opposition on Capitol Hill to what's going on with the with their loss of monetary control here in the U.S. will collapse. Yellen will be able to run. Yellen and Biden will be able to run the table. They're going to have to reverse all the QT. They're going to have to send interest rates back towards the zero bound and all of this shit. And they're going to restart the fucking. They're going to restart the entire program. And Diamond came out today and said, "I think you better get ready for six percent or higher." He, remi- he reminded everybody the Fed has no control over the long end of the yield curve. He has, they have control over the overnight rate. <clears throat> and then their power lessens the farther you go out the yield curve. So why, Yellen, why is Yellen trying to do yield curve control? She's trying to undermine Fed policy by trying to grasp control of the, the, long, the short end of the yield curve. So this debt ceiling fight, I think, is your next nexus point in history and it's the thing we can't see beyond we don't know how it's going to end but if it ends quote unquote in the sovereign's favor then all of these other uh, other conflicts start to resolve themselves and the divorce terms can be can be start can we they can start to be negotiated properly right and this is the way i see the game board laying out alex what do you think I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I'll just go back a second to the hypersonic thing and the and the missile gap. The the gap is real. Um, uh, the West doesn't have hypersonic missiles. Really? Um, wow! I'm totally naive. All right, it's crazy. So there there may have been, you know, I don't know, I don't know what there may have been. You know, is it is it in the outer space? It, is it is it Rocketdyne test, tested some new fuel that actually could propel a missile uh, at 20 Mach or whatever. Uh, is there a specific weapons system, a specific missile? Is it deployed anywhere? Has it ever hit anything? The answer is no, 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 and no. It's not there. Uh, the problem is not making things run hyper hypersonic. The problem is controlling them. The problem is that um, the hypersonic trajectory through the atmosphere so not in the in the yeah, in the void and not as a vacuum yeah. in the atmosphere creates such high temperature on the surface of the missile that it it makes them disintegrate and only the russians have the alloys that can withstand those temperatures and so they are the only ones with the technology to actually control these things and to deliver them with pinpoint precision and specific concrete weapon systems that are that exist that are tested that are deployed and that are actually hitting shit all right so uh, that, that that's a real gap that's not a that's not an imaginary gap and again you know the the most optimistic projections on the western side is that they might be able to close that gap in the next five or ten years maybe Real or fake um, gap, they're still going to make a lot of money. Tell well, they are going to make a lot of money, but you know the problem is that that money is going to be buying less and less and less stuff. Yeah. You know? I got you. Where, where, by uh, the way, where the USSR in 1989? That's what I feel like now. 
Right. We're talking about a gap that we have to fill, right? We're talking about an ascended empire. We're talking about ideological conflict. And we're talking about a West that's moving towards, towards um, uh, a socialist Marxist mentality, even while the East embraces a, it's authoritarian, but it's a capitalist mentality. It's the yep. whole fucking world is flipped. Okay, okay, Ex okay, excellent. I mean, this this is so much food for thought and, and, and it's just perfect. So, uh, first of all, the fact that the United States is not the USSA is excellent news because one model of governance that is pathogenic and unsustainable has got to implode on itself. And then the United States can take a different direction. Same as the USSR. I mean, remember where, where Russia was 20 years ago? Yeah. It was a, it was a disaster. It was yeah. one of the most corrupt countries in the world. It was a rust bucket. Everything was falling apart. The, the nation itself was falling apart. And uh, there was no rule of law. I mean, a complete disaster. It was kind of like Ukraine today. It's like and look, look, where it is, where, yeah. look where it is now that it took a different turn. Mm -hmm. It's it's in a, and then you know when it, when we go back to closing gaps, the United States merely needs to defend its shores and its borders. It doesn't need to you know uh, keep up an empire worldwide worldwide pay for 800 military bases for for whose benefit exactly not for the american people's benefits it's for it's for the occult oligarchy's benefits and so once this system falls as the ussr did you know which was the last empire that collapsed the united states has a big opportunity to just you know, go back to its Republican roots and become a prosperous nation again. And so, you know, you don't need to close any gaps. All you need to do is defend your borders. And the United States is eminently defensible. You know, like Russia is not. Yeah. Russia has 400 miles of swamp to Moscow. There's no mountain ranges. There's no oceans. There's no big rivers that are un uncrossable. Russia is very vulnerable. The United States is not. Yeah. And it's relatively easy to defend U.S. shores and U.S. borders if somebody chose to, to prioritize that rather than developing systems that can hit Burkina Faso and St. Petersburg and, and freaking Santiago, Chile. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And not only that, but, you know, the 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 defense budget doesn't have to be a trillion dollars it can be it can be 50 billion and be completely effective yep. if it isn't yep. uh if it isn't like a whole massive conveyor belt for plundering money from the american people into a very narrow segment that's the military industrial complex and the and the, and the banking establishment that controls it have any guys uh read a book called the grand chessboard yeah <laughs> right Speaking. okay okay all right so you know that book right all right so so uh, there's there's a map where it takes there's one of the maps where I, i'm just i'm just reading it for the first time now and there's a map where it takes the world and reverses it or puts it upside down and it's it basically when you get rid of your prejudices in terms of land masses you realize that you know all the things that you're saying about 
the U.S. being more easily defensible, defendable, I should say, and uh, but the, the heart of everything in in Europe and Eurasia, actually Eurasia is the uh, uh, the, the, yeah. big, the big landmass. What what I'm getting at is what you're describing is, and I'm saying this because we won't we haven't met before, so I'm saying this respectfully is a fucking fantasy, and I want it to happen. But here's what I mean: if we were to pull in and go Monroe Doctrine. You know, we're going to we're going to drill our own natural resources. We're going to pull our empire in. We're going to shrink the empire, which, by the way, is 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 uh, another book talks about that, how empires don't collapse anymore. They they shrink and they pull in the reins. So if we did that constructively, if we did that constructively, we have pissed off so many people with hypersonic missiles now. I don't well, you know, I, I actually actually Vince, uh, the thing is, I, I actually think that the that uh, having done this now for close to 10 years and publicly now for six, the more I, I speak to people around the world, the more they want the United States to go back to that model. And I'll, to the model that you just, we just described, Alex, you and Alex described. Yeah. Because they realize that they've always looked to the U.S. as a legal entity, as an aspirational thing, right. which is government that is subordinate to the people as opposed to the other way around and we are still basically the only country on the planet that has that in writing not in, not de facto but de jure okay and that's what we want that's what the world wants the world wants the united states to balance its budget bring you know end the hubris and the empire and they will I, i'm telling you you will many sins will be forgiven no, oh yeah oh yeah well yeah i mean no no question about that because you know like people around the world are not dumb they understand you know like i can tell you that when 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 donald trump was uh, running in 2020 it was everywhere it was the front page news every day and i i promise you that most people in most places were absolutely cheering for Donald Trump with perfect understanding what was at stake mm -hmm. and wanting the United States to come back into the fold of nations as a, you know, like as a, as a, as a moral, as an industrial leader, mm -hmm. as a, as, you know, like as, as the shining, as the shining uh, city on the hill, yeah. which, you know, the United States is still, you know, in, in, in spite of the fact that it's in the grip of this of this of this death cult, the United States still is one of the most radical experiments in in in, in the history of humanity, yep. and and in a positive way. It's and, the only revolution that's still that's still working. Sorry, <clears throat> the rule like Thomas about the rule of law. Most countries are homogenous, or if they're not homogenous, you know, they're they're culturally homogenous. US is not. And the, the rule of law is is what we need to keep ourselves together. And so that's the example you're talking about. So yeah, right, yeah. But I think I think that that's a that's a question of leadership. That can be that can be a relatively uh, simple change. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that then then what's what 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 seems like a fantasy from from this snapshot of reality right but becomes completely achievable again you know like you you look at the difference between germany in 1946 and germany in 
say, 1990s, uh, Russia in 1999 and Russia today, uh, these transformations do happen and they happen very, very rapidly, you know, like, well, very rapidly, you know, historically 20 years is, is, a, is a relatively short time period, but very, very radical things change. And then, you know, like the last food of thought you gave me with, with what you said before is when you say that some, these, these other regimes are tyrannical, if you read history correctly, meaning if you, if you, if you read between the lines of the bullshit that the, the winners write, the tyrants are actually always the reformers. Since the day of Julius Caesar, Julius Caesar was killed by the oligarchy, by mm -hmm. the bankers and the military industrial complex because he was trying to return, re-enfranchise the Roman citizen. Yep. And the, the people who killed him, the Ciceros and Brutuses and, and all these people, they were the occult oligarchy. Yep. And these, these leaders, these figureheads that you're talking about, they're the agents of change. They're the accelerants that get us yep. to fix Yeah. Yeah, and you also have a very legal, uh, very important legal uh, uh, inversion, meaning that in, in systems like Russia and China, Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping really are top of the pecking order. And so people understand where the buck stops. In Western democracies, since the day of Magna Carta, when the, when the kings were castrated politically, you have a figurehead which is um, which is not real, uh, meaning like the the sovereign is not really yes. the person in power. There's a power behind the throne, and they are the ones who are actually wielding power. Then you have like a figurehead that people see, and you know, like you have the pomp and circumstance and the coronations and all this, and then you have the democracy where people are just kind of being strung along, you know, like, now you elect the left side and then they screw you and then you go like, oh, we're, we're going to elect these other ones and then they screw you and then you're going to... And so you're constantly in this, in, this, in this cycle of waiting for the next cycle when you're going to get the right people in power and then they're going to, you know, uh, address your grievances and then when they don't, then you're going to elect the next ones. And so what? For as long as I've been alive, which is 53 years, and maybe paying attention to politics for the last 35 years, the American people have consistently voted for anti-war candidates. Yep. And for 35 years that I've been paying attention, they've been just getting more and more and more and more war. Yep. And supposedly this is democracy. I guarantee you that if Russian people wanted no more war, that they would get peace. And you can see that Today, the Chinese are driving peace deals around right. Eurasian landmass, right. whereas Britain is running around panicked that peace is breaking over, and they're trying to scuttle it everywhere. So isn't the whole thing it's, income first upstarts? Sorry? Not to simplify it, but the, the, the incumbents, the West, you know, the people in power want to keep their position and the East are the upstarts. And I say that rising power versus ebbing power. So 
what what I mean is 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 the West just doesn't want to give up their position, and so those people in power mm-hmm. are going to, are going to do everything they can to at least slow down the East's rise. You know, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely. Of- like, Absolutely, but you know, like the Central Committee of the Communist Party uh, of of the Soviet Union didn't want to give up power either. Right. Didn't help and, that much. No, it right. didn't. That's and, we need a crisis to get that though. We the U.S. needs that kind of '90s Russian economic crisis to yeah. to enter Jerome Powell, great champion in the Strauss and Helmo. Yeah, and I think, and I, I honestly, I'm serious. Think, okay, because because when when Vladimir Putin came to power, there was a there was a conspiracy. I mean, you know, if you if you try to figure out how the hell he got into the Kremlin, Bob it's Chechnya. really weird. It's Bob really those weird. And I mean, you know, there was there was there was a certain segment of the KGB that kind of recruited him, found found him, uh, probably vetted him very very extensively. Set him up to throw a couple of curveballs curve to persuade uh, um, people like Tony Blair and Henry Kissinger that he was going to be their guy, and Russian oligarchs like Boris Berezovsky and 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 um, Khodorkovsky, and they yep. all think they were getting their guy. They, they they all think they were getting their next bastard who was going to you know just be their figurehead and they were going to run the show. And then it didn't turn out that way. And I am pretty convinced that there is a similar conspiracy in the United States. You know, there, there, there are people who understand what's going on mm-hmm. and they understand that they're not going to prevail by going to the public and saying like, well, you know, we need a we need a better leader. And but they are they are preparing the terrain. They, they might fail, but they are preparing the terrain yeah, for, no. uh, for a sharp U-turn. I, I I see the same thing, Alex. I call it the counter-revolution. Yeah, um, yeah, I see I see yeah. a counter-revolutionary forces working within the United States, and the key is you start with reform of the monetary system because the United States monetary system and the Federal Reserve is at the heart of all of this crap. Amen. It, Amen. It, it, this yeah. is this, yeah. this is where it starts, and then monetary that's, reform yeah. begets. If you've got the, the Fed and the bankers then have the ability to put the pressure on the politicians to hold the line and say, look, you guys are going to be like, I, I've been saying this, like, why did Elon Musk get Twitter? Okay. Why did he get Twitter? He, no, they wanted to, him to get Twitter in order to get to the DM. They wanted, they, they wanted, they wanted all the private DMs and how these people were coordinating. But why was he even allowed to buy Twitter? Because someone allowed him to buy Twitter. It went from, I'm going to tie this thing up in court. We're going to tie Musk up in court for nine months or a year over the valuation of the company to, I'm buying Twitter on Friday. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't uh, fucking just happen like that. That's a good okay? Point. Yeah. It's unfucking believable. This guy was, it was, oh, they haven't tied up, and, blah, blah, and the whole nine yards. And then all of a sudden, there was no buy Twitter on Friday. He had to have Twitter before the election. Okay, they blow up FTX the day of the fucking election, dude. They start start blowing up the fucking stable coins, all the fucking Davos stable coins, that summer. (laughs) I've documented every bit of this fucking fight all the way down the line. 
every Fantastic. fucking bit of it. And 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 Elon Musk, his his practically antithesis to Google, and his mm-hmm. his main clients, his main client is the Pentagon. Yeah. So there's there's yeah, that there conspiracy. Right oh, in yeah. the back, yeah. You, like says, you don't launch ten thousand satellites without. How do we without... count this, Eric Schmitz, and then these assholes? We're gonna, we're gonna empower our guy. That's a good, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, like, dude, I'm telling you, I've been watching this thing play itself out. I'm like, it, uh, it's all just playing out. I had a guy on my podcast summer of of 2022 before the midterms, a guy by the name of Bill Faywell. Um, had him on the podcast twice, and his specialty is revolution. He has a theory of revolutions, the four stages of revolution, and all that. I had him on the podcast, and Bill doesn't do a lot of interviews because he's mostly you know blacklisted and all this stuff. But he just reached out to me, and I said, and he said, Tom, you you got everything right except for this, this, and this. I'm like, really? Let's discuss it on the podcast. And the podcast is similar, similar way, but it's like you know, like let's do this. And I just sat there, kind of in awe of listening to him talk about stages. And he's like, yeah, this is typical third stage stuff. Where are we are. Bill's a fascinating talk <laughs> guy to talk to. Tommy, you'd love talking to Bill. You should I should put you two in in um in uh in 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 in, in cahoots I in, in contact. Because I think you, when when you, once he started we were talking about that, it, it then became very obvious to me, okay, so this is how the this is how the 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 the, the, the midterms are gonna turn out. And then this is what's going to happen after that. This is how they're going to respond. And then the next, this, this next stage of it is going to be really kind of ugly. And this is what the counter-revolution is starting. It may not succeed, but it will set the stage for whatever comes next. Okay? And so go back to the point that Alex made earlier about Dear Love, the former MI6 head saying they're scared to death that they're going to lose the election in 2024, which is why they want to put Trump in jail. Okay, so he can't yeah. run. And it's also why they're trying to pump up DeSantis to to get him to run so that he gets removed from the stage. Okay, there's all this stuff that's happening that once you see it from that perspective, you can see every move in front of you. But the real but yeah. the real moves are the Fed is going to continue raising rates until it breaks these people. The war has been declared between Wall Street and San Francisco. All these shit bags, San Francisco fucking crappy super regional banks that all they did was make market loans to billionaires to their third yacht and their fourth mansion. All those banks are the ones that are being destroyed. First Republic, Signature, Silicon Valley. What are they most known for? And they funding heard, bad fucking... Either funding, funding bad, a horrible fucking tech company, bad startup ideas that were only profitable underserved to launder fucking offshore euro dollars back into the United States to destabilize the country, sideline to destroy the media, sideline conservatives, sideline sovereignists, pay for the invasion on the border, pay for pay for sources and franny bathrooms and all the rest of this rotten nonsense to make us turn us into fucking self-hating, self-flagellating monkeys who are would be happy for civil war. Who would? Where like, there's a there's a whole contingent of Americans who are just like, let's just let's just destroy the whole fucking thing. Let's start over here. I don't like it. no. No, no. 
That's exactly what they fucking want. It's a civil war all that's over exact, again. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what they want. That would be that would be the the greatest Christmas gift to to the to the oligarchy of of, of anything. And I think that just for the benefit of your viewers, um, the the interview with Sir Richard Dearlove, the former head of MI6, I, I think it was done uh, over the weekend, mm-hmm. uh, and it's on Times Radio. So if you go on on YouTube. You can find it. I think it's extremely instructive because all roads lead to London. London is driving this. Uh, Biden administration is simply their bitch, and once Biden administration is out, there's going to be a there's going to be very very significant changes. Anyway, gents, I please forgive me, but I, I have to jump because. Uh, very good. I uh, in literally in three minutes, there's John John Mersheimer. Um, presentation that i that i have to attend i'll be honest with you guys I, I'm, I'm getting ready i need to milk a goat so uh <laughs> the same kind of thing um I'm, i think it's probably a good idea to like wrap it up for a little bit you know, i hate to like do the same thing but i i mean i'd love to do this again this this was, this was fun it, i'm glad you all i i'm glad you all got to meet like this is this is yeah. these are the three guys these are the two guys i wanted to get to meet that badly because I think I thought this would just be a, a who Yeah, no, thank, no, yeah, that was no, that was great. That was great fun. That was great was fun. Was, I, there's, there's topics we can we can talk on more. Like, I, uh, oh, absolutely. East West ideology split. I'd love to. Have and to remind and to remind everybody, Alex and I are going to be in Edmonton doing a live show uh, on Sean Newman's for, hosted by Sean Newman on June 10th. That's going to be lit. It'll be fun. Alex and I actually get to meet in person. We're going to do a live show a podcast and. Uh, We'll we'll do this again. I, I don't don't like to do three ways on my podcast because it's hard hard enough to do audio that way. But um, yeah, uh, Tommy, I, we'd love to do this again. Yeah, so. I love, thanks for coming on here. I hope it wasn't too. Yeah, hey, and, just, for, and for the record, I don't I don't actually want anybody to get nuked. I don't. I, know. I, I don't. For the record, not, neither do I. Well, I'm not sure about you. You <laughs> looked you looked a little you looked a little <laughs> earnest when you said yeah, it. I, definitely, like, I was joking. I saw the devil hey, behind your eyes. This is, I, I, Okay, Vince. He's I must being confess. Right. I, I must confess. I did a paper in high school on MacArthur and Truman, and I took MacArthur's side. Oh, yeah. So I have a little bit of neocon in me. Yeah. You know. It's okay. It's okay. Well, it's it's right. small, We're it's, all you know, seduced reverse, by a nuclear flash. A reverse oh. neutron bomb will be fine. It's okay. 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 Well, with that, y- y'all be y'all be well. Thanks, <laughs> gentlemen. Thanks, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, thank Alex, you guys. Vince, it was nice that to meet you guys. Fun. I'd love to do it again, everybody. Good night. Good. Thank you for watching. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming on. Take care, everybody. Peace. Take care.